I've entitled this message this morning, um, Receiving an Invitation. And um, this message had a greater impact, or this teaching had a greater impact on the Jewish community at which Jesus spoke it to in the first place. Because the Jewish community were the ones who were invited into the kingdom of God first. And so um, I'm going to start just by praying for um, the Jewish nation before um, I start preaching. Father in heaven, I come into your presence and I thank you, God, that Jesus Christ was born a Jewish man. He lived and worked and moved around in Jerusalem and in the surrounding area because, Lord, I know that the Jewish nation was your chosen and still are your chosen people, Lord. And you have invited them into your kingdom. And Lord, although there is a veil over their minds at this moment, we do pray that you will lift that veil soon. That they will come to an understanding of who the true Messiah is. And so, Lord, I pray, God Almighty, that you will wonderfully and powerfully work in these days amongst the Jewish people. Bless those who are working amongst them, Father, seeking to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray there be much success amongst that work, Lord, we pray. And Lord, I pray for this message. I pray for myself and my, my wife, Kim. And I pray, Lord, that as we seek to sign and speak that your strength, Lord, will enable us again. For, Lord, we can do nothing without your spirit. And I pray, Lord, for those who hear, that they won't just hear with the physical hearing, but your spirit will come and give them a, a heart, Lord, to understand your word. Only your spirit can do this. And so, Lord, we commit the next few moments to you and pray, oh God, that you will, un, you will bring honor and glory to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've entitled this message this morning, Receiving an Invitation. And as we um, look into our Bible reading, the first thing I want you to see um, is a celebration a celebration, a man in the crowd cries out, and this is what he says. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This man cries out and he says, happy, blessed is the man, the woman, the person that will sit down at the feast in the kingdom of God. You see, in Jesus' day, a feast will last at least seven days. You know, these um, people, these events in Jesus' time and before were huge events. They were events where days they will be eating fine food. Days they will be drinking fine wine. Days they will be laughing and, and sharing and celebrating days upon days, all week sometimes. 
You know, you meet a young person and they say they, they went clubbing and they went out, got home at four o'clock in the morning. And they think that's great. They had a long time partying. That's nothing compared to what they needed back in the day. Seven days of celebrating, of meeting friends, meeting new acquaintances. Seven days of feasting. That's what it was like. And this man, here in our Bible reading, turns around and he says to Jesus, I'm not going to be talking about the feasting that goes on here. I'm talking about another feast, he said. He said, blessed is the man who will feast in the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about the feasting on earth, even though it's grand and it's spectacular, but there's a feast that's going to take place in the kingdom of God. And the person who's in that place, he's going to be truly blessed. Well, Jesus turns around. And I, this morning, want to tell you something about that feast. I want to speak a little bit about that feast this morning. First of all, I want to say that before you can join that feast, you've got to be made ready. You've got to be dressed right. I can remember my son Benjamin had uh, to get ready for a dinner that the Imperial College was putting on for him and others. And the reason why I remember that it's because I have to pay for all his suit. And he had the black bow tie and the shiny white shirt and the black jacket and trousers and the cumber band that went round the waist and brand spanking new shoes. Cost me a packet. You know, that's why I remembered that he had to be dressed right in order to go into that event. Let me tell you this this morning. Before you go into the heavenly banquet, before you go into the heavenly feast, you have to be dressed right. Look what the Bible turns around and says. Isaiah, he writes, he says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Can you believe that? Turning up into a banquet wearing filthy rags. No, he said, all our righteous acts are like filthy, it won't do to enter into the banquet of God dressed as you are. Won't do at all. Because even though you think that you're doing good stuff and you're righteous to the Lord is as filthy rags. No, that's no good. In fact, the Bible says something else. The Bible says this. Rather, clothe yourself. you got to clothe yourself with someone else. Look what the Bible says. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to put Jesus Christ on you in order to go into that banquet. Your filthy rags, your good works is not good enough. You need to clothe yourself with somebody else. You need to clothe yourself with Christ. But not only that, before you go into that banquet, you need to be transformed. In fact, your whole body needs to be transformed. Look what Paul says. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who? By the power that is able to bring everything under his control. Here it is. 
will transform our lowly bodies to be like his heavenly body. You see, the body that Jesus rose again from, the body that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, that body that Jesus had died in weakness but was raised in power. That body died a mortal body but it was raised an immortal body. That body died in frailty but was raised in strength. That body was a decaying body but was raised an eternal body. You see, that's a body you need to have to enter into that feast. You need to have a body now being changed because the Bible says that when Jesus Christ comes again, he will transform our frail, weak, mortal, decaying body and give us a new body. Praise God. That's the sort of body you need to enter into that feast. It's a wonderful feast. But Jesus Christ needs to do a work now on you. He needs to take out the rags that you're wearing and say, that's good works. Take that away and clothe you with his works. His righteousness. But more than that, put down the mortal flesh and give you, when you raise from the dead, a new body. Immortal. Eternal. But not only that, I want to say about the feast, that this feast is going to be the most important feast in all of history. I'll tell you why. The Bible tells us why. This feast, Revelation says this, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. This feast is a wedding feast of the Lamb. In other words, all those Christians in the past who died in the first century. You know, the Colosseum was not a place just where the Roman gladiators fought. The Colosseum was a place where innocent Christians who were arrested and dragged to prison and brought to the Colosseum, then they were thrown into the lion's um, place. And, and the Colosseum was where people watched Christians being torn about, torn apart by lions. And what happened in the Colosseum? Well, those Christians will be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Praise be to God. And as you go through history and you see believers who are suffering and dying and who are being murdered and killed, those Christians will be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. I was reading a news story last year, 2015, in Oregon, in America. A 27-year-old man called Chris Harper Mercy went into a school campus. And as he went into a school campus with with two guns, he was aiming to find Christians in that school campus. And every person he told to stand up, he asked them a question, are you a Christian? When the person said yes, he shot them dead. Nine believers died last year. They 
will be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Christians in the past who suffered and those who didn't suffer, those in the future who will suffer or may not suffer, that will be the most wonderful and most glorious feast in all of history. Because all of the believers of all time will be seated at the great feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Praise be to God. But can I say something else about this feast? This feast, you will meet those who have died in Christ at that feast. There will be sons, praise God, and daughters at that feast. There will be fathers and mothers sitting around the table at that feast. There will be champions in the Bible, the Davids and the Elijahs and the Moses. They will be there at that feast. But also the unsung heroes, the nameless one that no one knows. They too will be seated at that feast. And do you know something? It's not going to be a seven day feast. It's not going to be a couple of weeks enjoying the feast. No, the Bible tells me it's going to be an eternal feast. Praise be to God. It's going to be a feast when you need eternity to even enjoy it. And at the head of the table will be our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He will be at the head of the table. And surrounding that table will be every single believer who put their faith in Christ. They will be seated at that feast with him. That is how wonderful that feast is. In fact, Jesus turns around and he says, people will come from the east and the west, the north and the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. That is the feast that Jesus is talking about. That is the feast that I'm preaching about this morning. And Jesus is saying, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Who would, want, who, would not, who would not want to be in that feast? You must be out of your mind not to be there. To have your old rags removed and to have a fresh robe of righteousness. To have your body changed instead of having a frail, weak body. To have a strong, powerful, transformed body. So dying, living, who would in the right mind would not want to be at that feast? I am for one in living my life that I might sit down at that table with Christ. Let's go on because Jesus now, this man cries out, blessed is he who will sit down at the kingdom of the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't answer that. But he turns around and he says something different. So my second point then is rejection. Jesus speaks a parable. Let's read some of this parable together, shall we? Here it is. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. Here it is. This certain man was preparing. It wasn't just an ordinary banquet. The Bible says it was a great banquet. It was a banquet that was going to overshadow any other banquets. It was a feast that he was preparing that was going to be the feast of feasts. It's going to be a great banquet. And 
the Bible says that here he wanted his servants to go out and to invite guests, to invite people to come to this great and this wonderful banquet. As we go on to the parable, we see people making excuses. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married. So I cannot come. They all made excuses. Here was a banquet, free. The feast was paid by somebody else. It was prepared by somebody else. It was provided by somebody else. These guests didn't have to put their hand in their pocket, didn't have to pay for anything. It was absolutely free. They were invited to come to this banquet, but... The Bible says they started to make excuses. The the busyness of their lives was going to prevent them from coming. Money was exchanging hands. I bought a land. I bought some oxen. Life was happening. Love was in the air. I got married. The bottom line is this. The great banquet had no value to them at all. No value. And it seems to me this morning that is what it is like concerning a great feast in the kingdom of God. What is on offer is of great value. God has prepared something that is so wonderful. And he says, you don't have to do anything to come. It's free. Somebody else has paid the price. Hallelujah. Somebody else has prepared the feast. Somebody else has made it all ready for you. You do have to do nothing to come. But the sad truth is, Men and women today are making excuses. These things have no value to them at all. Money is far more important. Making money, making sure they live their lives the way they want to live their lives. A little bit of lovey-dovey, huggy-kissy, getting married here and there. That is what I want to be doing. I don't want to move my attention and my thought to what is going to happen when I die. And this is what was happening here. Jesus turned around and he pleaded, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is the free banquet, he said. Come, come. You don't need anything. You don't need any qualifications. You don't need any grandeur. You don't need any status. Come as just as you are because I have paid everything and done everything for your salvation. Come. 
That is what the word of God says. He calls men and women just to come as you are. And he will clothe you. He will transform you. And he will make you ready for the kingdom. Sadly, we live in a day and age where that doesn't have any value anymore. How can it be that that doesn't have any value anymore? That's what life's all about. Life is all about getting to know Christ and living eternity with him. That's what all that matters. And that is what Christ, he says, has the most value. And so he says, come. Okay, so these men made excuses. Let's go to the third point and see what happens. Okay, let's go to this, I've titled this third bit, selection, because firstly I want you to see the reaction of the master. What was the reaction of the owner, the master? What was his reaction? Well, we see it here. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry. I want you to understand that when men reject Christ, when men turn the free gift away, when they take the name of Jesus and throw it on a scrap heap, I want to tell you this morning, God becomes angry. Most people, when they think about God, only see a one-dimensional God. They only see a God of love. And when they see a God of love, they despise him. But I want to tell you this morning, God is not only a God of love, but when you reject him, anger stirs up within him. And so we see God here. Anger is stirring up within God here. And, and the servant says he became angry. But I want you to notice something even more wonderful than that. In his anger, he doesn't speak to the men who rejected him. In his anger, he doesn't turn around and say to these men, first and foremostly, these men I'm angry with. He doesn't do that. In his anger, he remembers mercy. I want you to hear me this morning. In his anger, he remembers mercy. So what does he say? Look what he says. In his anger, the servant came back to him and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. What what God is saying here is that even though I'm angry at the rejection, I'm going to reach out to the blind. I'm going to reach out to the poor. I'm going to reach out to the cripple. I'm going to reach out to those who are vagabonds. I'm going to reach out to those on the streets and on the corners. And I'm going to bring them into my house. Yes, I'm angry. But in my anger, I'm going to remember mercy. In my anger, I'm going to remember grace. In my anger, I'm going to reach out and bring men into the kingdom. (laughs) Praise God. My house will be full. It's not going to be empty. There won't be empty chairs like we have in our church here this morning. No, in the feast, there'll be no room. My house will be full, says the Lord. 
And he says about those others, he tells around and says, I tell you the truth, not one of those who were invited would get a taste of my banquet. No, they were invited. And this is where I, when I look at the Jewish nation, they were the ones who were originally invited. But there's a veil upon their minds at this time. But not only them, but even those who are in a high church with their bells and their robes and their crosses and they, they, they put emphasis on the stained glass windows and their big buildings and they say, look how wonderful and religious we are. No, says the Lord. That is not who I'm looking for. I am looking for those whom the Holy Spirit is drawing to me. That's what I'm looking for. Don't put your faith in buildings and in stained glass windows and in bells and smells in your church. No, don't put your faith there. Put your faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so therefore, I love this verse. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify, to bring to nothing the things that are. That is God's way of dealing with things. He chooses the men and the women whom he chooses. Not the way the world chooses it, but the way God himself. And I like what Jesus turns around and he says, all those the Father give me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And he who comes to me, I will never drive away. Never cast away. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. (laughs) Praise be to God. It's my Father's will, you know. God, the Father, the one who was angry at the rejection, the one who was angry at the men who made excuses, the the one who was angry at those who threw Christ on the scrap heap. It is his will that everyone who looks to the Son will have eternal life and he will raise them up. He will give them a new body. He will give them new life. The frailty and the weakness and the old age and the, and, and the decaying flesh will one day be a thing of the past. There will be a resurrection body that will sit down at the feast of the kingdom of God. The invitation has been given out. And I want to say this morning, the invitation has been given out this morning. Again, he has sent another one of his servants, myself. He sent me out. Invite them, Jerry. Invite them to the kingdom. Invite them to the feast. Speak my word as you have it. Invite them to the kingdom. It's free. 
Christ has done it all, paid everything, prepared the table. Everything is ready and laid out. Men and women must be out of their minds to refuse such a great salvation. And so here it is. What are you going to do with the invite? Are you going to make excuses? Or are you going to put it down and say, Lord God Almighty, take me as I am. Rags and all. Wickedness in my heart and sin. Lord, take me as I am. Cleanse me. Wash me. Forgive me. Redeem me. Ransom me. Make me a child, a son of the living God. Cause me to be born again. God Almighty. I don't want to be outside of the banquet. I don't want to be sitting down with those who have suffered for Christ but also for those who have lived for him and served him well. Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege that I have to serve the almighty God. The great joy that belongs to me to carry this word. I thank you that I'm able to carry it, Lord, in a day of peace. For many, many servants carry this same message in a day of conflict, in a day of persecution, in a day where when they opened their mouth and spoke, they were stoned or burnt or killed, murdered. But I thank you, Lord God, that I will sit down with those great men and women at the feast of the kingdom of God. And my prayer is, Lord, that there will be fruit even today. That those who know you will make a concerted, complete and total this effort and a desire, Lord, to be constantly following after you. And I pray, God, if there's any here who are too busy too busy making money too busy with the love affair of this world Lord I pray God that you will begin to stir in their hearts something wonderful something powerful something eternal the gracious God almighty there will be those sitting down at the feast who are from Golding's Church, Lord, who were, were never of, have made it if they didn't hear this message today. But they will be sitting at the feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Only you can do this by your spirit. So God, we pray, do a wonderful, marvelous, glorious work today for Jesus sake Amen